1: In today's episode of the Rebel Health Coach podcast, the fibromyalgia mystery. Fibromyalgia affects more women than men, about 0.5%. It's estimated that fibromyalgia affects nearly 6 million people, or 1 in 50, causing chronic pain, particularly muscle pain, fatigue, sleep disturbances, brain fog, or cognitive impairment, depression, and painful tender points throughout the body. Physicians are generally confused by this. Not only do they not know much about it that's accurate, they often misdiagnose this. The diagnosis of fibromyalgia, nonspecific pain that doesn't seem to have any particular source, is as controversial as just about any other subject at your doctor's office. Some believe it's a real physical condition. Some believe it's purely psychogenic, and some think it doesn't exist at all. What is really known about this popular but vague diagnosis? Everything about fibromyalgia is rife with red flags. Sham treatments for it are offered in magazine ads and on late-night television infomercials. You'll see it advertised on billboards, books, websites, and special diets, and worthless supplements are all marketed to sufferers just as aggressively as is the condition itself. The more people can be convinced that they have it, the more products they'll buy. Chapter and verse. Fibromyalgia bears every single warning sign of pseudoscience. But where it veers from this course and enters the realm of real science, is that a growing number of medical researchers believe there is something real here, And some cases are now even proving to be treatable. Here's the thing. A complication with researching fibromyalgia is that so many of its symptoms are nonspecific and are symptoms that everyone experiences sometimes just by virtue of being a living human being. Pain with no obvious cause. Fatigue with no obvious cause. Trouble sleeping, stiffness, headaches, tingling, and something we call fibro fog, which includes a variety of mental difficulties like trouble remembering, concentrating, or thinking. Heather is a functional medicine practitioner working remotely in New Mexico. Her passion is helping others just like herself with chronic illness and autoimmune dysfunction feel their best. After having exhausted Western medicine herself, Heather knew There had to be a better way. Prior to her training, Heather pursued functional medicine for herself and became so passionate about what it could do for people. However, she found that oftentimes people left their functional practitioner with a basket of things to do with no idea on how to implement them. This is where the combination of health coaching with functional medicine can be so powerful for the client in making change. Heather now helps people With all sorts of dysfunction in their body, from fibro to diabetic to chronic headaches, her clients seek her out from all over the United States and Canada. Heather believes part of the reason why her clients resonate with her is her ability to understand the place where they are because she has been there too. Heather, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach podcast. Great. Thanks so much,
2: Tom.
1: We had a little controversy on Facebook.
2: <laughs> yes, for sure. And uh, fibromyalgia is a controversial topic. Uh.
1: Yeah, I was. I just wanted to see if we could get some questions from my Facebook fans, and it just kind of turned out into a a shit show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, to put it lightly, <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean fibro is tough. I mean, it's one of those diseases that's often misdiagnosed.
2: Yes. Uh, actually about uh two thirds of people are misdiagnosed with
1: uh fibromyalgia, so it's a uh, it's a pretty large number there yeah and it's uh I know I have a lot of friends with Lyme's disease, and I can see how it gets lumped in there because Lymes is one of those things that's misdiagnosed. and I think that and we'll get dig a little deeper but before before we do, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into this realm of fibromyalgia?
2: Sure. Well, I was actually, I ran a a full marathon in 2004. Up until that point, I felt perfectly fine. I didn't have any complaints. Uh, Sometimes, you know, it can be a kind of a a big ball of things that happen for people. I was in a marriage that wasn't too fantastic. And then, you know, I was training for a full marathon, which can be uh, a lot on the body. and um, soon after the marathon, I just started having some strange aches and pains. It started in the neck and um it would migrate around, and of course, nobody had a clue as to you know what the heck was going on with me. And as is the case with most people, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia in two thousand and eleven, so it took me that long to get a diagnosis. And the unfortunate thing is that is common in most people, it usually takes at least that long to get a diagnosis. And of course, with Western medicine, uh, most uh, physicians didn't know what to do with me. They they uh, tried putting me on medication, which I hated. <laughs> I tried about two different medications and I said, nope, this is not for me. And I decided that I was going to try to manage it naturally. And I had seen a, a few functional practitioners, which uh, I really loved the, the functional medicine portion of it. But what I found is that, you know, you would see your functional practitioner about, uh, once every you know, six to eight weeks, and when you left there, you were left with just a bunch of stuff you had to do and no clue as to how to implement it. So while the science was there and the functional medicine portion was there, the kind of how to implement it wasn't. And so um, I went on to several years ago to go to the school of IAN, which is the Integrative um, Nutrition School, and I loved it, but what I found is, for my population, you know, people that have fibromyalgia and other chronic kind of disorders, that it it was lacking in how to help them beyond, you know, you need to exercise more and eat more kale. And so I I found Tracy Harrison and I started um, studying functional medicine. And 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 I what I really think is that the well, two things, the the kind of integration of both the health coaching model combined with functional medicine is just the sweet spot of where it is because you meet with with clients twice a month and then you're able to help them implement the changes that need to be made where um you know if you were to go to a functional doctor like i said you're left with just a a bunch of stuff which um, a lot of times people just don't implement because they're kind of paralyzed by fear in regards to what to do with with all of the stuff um that they need to implement and then I think it helps my clients that I've, I come from the world of knowing how it feels to have fibromyalgia. Um, it can be one thing for a practitioner to, you know, tell you what to do and, and where to go, but if if they don't know where you come from, sometimes it can be a little bit um, difficult. So I think that that helps too. That I can kind of emphasize with where they come from.
1: Right. I went to IAN. You went to IAN. And now we're both studying under Tracy. I think it's a good mix. I want to work our way of course, to methods that people listening can use to aid in determining if they do have fibromyalgia, and then the treatments that they can use if they have fibromyalgia. But before we work our way to the actionables, there are some very nonspecific symptoms that are often lumped into fibromyalgia.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And most typically is pain and fatigue, which kind of go along with hypothyroid the same symptoms of hypothyroidism yes
2: other things such as what we call fibro fog uh, brain fog people call it you know the pain uh, oftentimes is in muscles not so much joints but sometimes people do have joint pain we kind of describe it as irritable everything right like don't touch us don't look at us Uh, we're sensitive to everything including smells sleep issues and mood challenges in regards to depression and anxiety and things like that, which makes sense. Um, you know, oftentimes if people are in uh, chronic pain then that can lead to, to some depression, but there's also root causes as to that, to that as well. So, yeah. But, okay. but as you stated, there's a lot of the symptoms mimic other things. And so it can be difficult to differentiate what is quote unquote fibromyalgia and what's something else.
1: Okay anxiety, sleep issues, bloating, constipation. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is like is this an autoimmune disease?
2: Um, well, they don't they don't classify it as an autoimmune disease per se. Um I personally feel that there's an autoimmune dynamic to it. Um that could be controversial for sure, but I definitely believe that there is. You know, the diagnosis of this back in the day used to be a diagnosis of pressure points, right? Where you had to have 11 of these 18 pressure points, which, you know, is kind of a (laughs) pretty generic um, diagnosis. And, and, you know, a lot of times people go to their doctor and they've, you know, they've been to the Google, right? So they've pretty much already self-diagnosed themselves with fibromyalgia. (laughs) And a lot of times the physicians will just kind of go with it because they're like, well, we don't know what else to do with them. So why don't we just say it's fibromyalgia and then send them on their way. In 2010, the treatment changed, um, the, the, the diagnosis changed in regards to um, the pressure points, whereas now it's basically uh, what they call a hands-off diagnosis, which is pretty controversial because it's basically, it's, it's self-reported from the patient. So so that number of two-thirds people being misdiagnosed is probably greater now because it's, you know, someone that's going in having Googled fibromyalgia and now They think they have it. And the physician is just like, sure. Uh, (laughs) Whereas they're probably walking around with
1: something else. Yeah. It's quite a diagnostic quagmire. Yes. And sometimes it's kind of a lazy. Physicians go to be a doctor to help people. But the unfortunate part is they get caught in this. Healthcare system or disease care system, as I like to call it.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and they just. Have they have to see so many patients a day and they have to prescribe this and that? And to your point about a functional medicine practitioner, you go to see a functional medicine practitioner and they can give you they can help in finding you the, the root cause of this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the challenge becomes Western medicine is all about the band aid approach, right? And, um, you know, I don't like to bash Western medicine, but it's a simple fact that. Western medicine doctors are not trained in getting to the root cause. It's just a fact. They're trained in putting a Band-Aid on it. And so when the Band-Aid methods don't work for, say, someone with fibromyalgia, you know, they get to the point where they don't know how to help somebody anymore. Um, And the whole premise behind fibromyalgia, and it's, it's kind of one of my big pet peeves, is that if someone goes to their doctor and they say, I have blank, and you can insert whatever there, Oftentimes when people have, when someone has been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, when they go to the doctor and they say my blank, the doctor then just lumps everything into that it is their fibromyalgia. And fibromyalgia is one of those words and one of those conditions that it's basically just the name for a collection of symptoms all with a root cause. Um, and that's, that stands to reason for something like IBS as well, irritable bowel syndrome. It's just the name for a, for a collection of symptoms. And so when people have, quote unquote, fibromyalgia, in order to, and I'm probably jumping ahead here, but in order to heal, you need to get to those root causes. And your Western medicine practitioners find that, and, and that's
1: hard to do with fibromyalgia. And I, you know, I kind of want to lie. The question I posted on Facebook was to find some answers or questions for you. But one of the comments was that it's Lyme disease.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's another big well, one of my pet peeves. um that's actually not the first person that said that to me. Um, that fibromyalgia is Lyme disease, and and it's not true. It can you can have so it, it can be one of those things which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? I myself actually have chronic Lyme disease. So which one came first? Did I have Lyme first, or did I have do I have fibromyalgia? But the statement that all fibromyalgia is Lyme disease is incorrect, and that's that's kind of sticking yourself in a black and white box, right? I mean, and and the challenge behind that is because. You know, now everybody's saying that fibromyalgia is Lyme disease. And what happens to those people that it's not, right? Now they're not being helped because we just assume that it's Lyme disease. And that's not 100% um, the case at all. It can be a small portion of, of, of it, but it's, and, at, and to your point on, on that thread that we were going on, that uh, link that you had posted, you know, oftentimes Lyme disease leads to fibromyalgia. So it's not, they're, you know, they're separate, but together, it can be challenging.
1: Yeah, As a bourbon drinker, (laughs) as a a connoisseur of bourbon, (laughs) calling fibromyalgia Lyme's disease is like calling Jack Daniel's bourbon. (laughs) And uh, I I think that I I know people with Lyme's disease. I have a really good friend with Lyme's disease. I have a brother-in-law with Lyme's disease. Lyme's disease is also hard to diagnose. And correct.
2: Correct. You know, Lyme disease is one of those things that, you know, even with a, a negative, quote-unquote, uh, testing, and, and those testing uh, methods will vary, doesn't necessarily mean you don't have it. Uh, Lyme is one of those things that they, they're very good at kind of hiding, and so sometimes we're not currently making antibodies that will be detected on a test. So it it, it very much is a diagnosis, uh, clinical diagnosis, and, very controversial because uh, the, the CDC will say that if you don't have Lyme if you don't have this, this, and this. And there's actually a lot of Lyme doctors that don't advertise that they're Lyme doctors because they're afraid of losing their license. Um, and it's all because of the CDC.
1: Right. I, I, I appreciate the CDC and I appreciate the Mayo Clinic and I appreciate what they do and the purpose they serve, but sometimes they just don't get it. And I think it's because of uh, their governmental identity.
3: Correct.
1: So I will dig deeper on the pro- on, on the subject than the CDC and the Mayo Clinic. Of course, yes. Yeah. Now let's on the symptoms of fibromyalgia. Chronic pain is is a big one. Mm-hmm. This pain, where is this? Is this like arthritic, or like arthritis pain, or it
2: can vary. It can vary per person. Um, it can be most times it's muscular type of pain, but sometimes people do have joint pain. It tends to be very diffuse. There's this thing where they call they call it true fibromyalgia, which really bugs me because as a person that lives with fibromyalgia, that really irritates me. Um, and and the thing behind true fibromyalgia is that you have to have kind of this this set of things that would would lump you into what is called true fibromyalgia and if you don't have those set of things then you don't have fibromyalgia and i very much disagree with that people can have kind of varying different symptoms with fibromyalgia they can have for like for example for myself um my pain tends to be more on my right side than my left side and someone will tell you if you have true fibromyalgia that you know you don't have fibromyalgia because it's not on both sides um and so <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it can vary in regards to where the pain is and if it settles into joints and into muscles.
1: As far as the sleep issue goes, do do you not sleep or do you sleep a lot?
2: People can have both. And so if we go to uh, root causes of fibromyalgia, one of the reasons why people can have um, sleep issues can be uh, adrenal fatigue. And that can be one of the root causes as to why someone has fibromyalgia. So, if we have um, adrenal fatigue, either high cortisol or low cortisol, we can have issues either falling asleep or staying asleep um, or waking up in the middle of the night or just waking up uh, just completely exhausted like we felt like we didn't sleep at all. And so that can be a common kind of symptom for people that have um, fibromyalgia.
1: So you're really not getting a deep sleep.
2: Um, and, and that can be a huge challenge for healing. I mean, if we're not sleeping, we're not... Uh, repairing, right? And so, you know, it it, can, it becomes a vicious cycle for people that they don't sleep, they wake up exhausted, and they're in more pain because they haven't kind of um, got into that deep REM sleep where they're able to repair and heal. And so, you know, day over day, they become more painful because they're not um, resting and rejuvenating and healing. One of the other reasons why people can have issues with sleep can be issues with serotonin. It's very common for uh, people that have fibromyalgia to have serotonin issues, which can lead to not just sleep issues, but also mood disorders and the constipation that you mentioned and all kinds of other fun stuff. And and that can be directly related to gut issues, which also can be a root cause for fibromyalgia.
1: Now, that's kind of where I was thinking. Is, uh, so is this go to the gut?
2: Yeah, very much so. 95% of our serotonin is made in our gut. So if our gut's struggling, uh, then we are, are going to struggle for sure with serotonin. And um, there's been lots of studies in regards things that can uh in the gut can be fibromyalgia kind of root causes one of the big ones is um SIBO small intestinal bacterial overgrowth very very common in people that have fibromyalgia um very common in people that have restless legs as well which is one of the symptoms that often people that have fibromyalgia have is um restless legs oh really yeah
1: Hmm. how about candida
2: yes yep candida Things like uh, parasites or just uh, a dysbiosis of the kind of the endemic bacteria that should be there. So, you know, we have kind of a we should have a, a, a nice balance of beneficial microbes in our gut. And sometimes we can kind of have an, a, an overgrowth of some of the things that should be there um, and not enough of the good guys. And so that can definitely cause um, uh, issues as well. But, yeah, um, yeast is a big one. Candida can be a can be a big problem for people.
1: So there's a lot of root causes.
2: Yeah, um, you know, gut issues, genetic factors. So sometimes it, these types of um, pain syndromes run uh, in families. You know, there's been, <clears throat> there's definitely been studies in regards to kind of trauma over life. So sometimes people that have had trauma in their life, it can be a trigger, not necessarily all the time, but also issues with infections. So if we go back to not just Lyme disease, but they, we can have issues with other kind of tick-borne ish um, tick-borne illnesses or Things like Epstein-Barr can be a big one. So any type of kind of viral, infectious type of stuff. Toxicity is another one.
1: You got mercury toxicity in there?
2: Yes, mercury toxicity. Any type of toxicity can be a huge one. Um, But also thyroid dysfunction, as you mentioned. So sometimes uh, it can just be an issue with thyroid. It can be an issue with uh, what we call cellular metabolism. So um, there's actually been studies that people that have fibromyalgia don't have enough or have damaged what we call mitochondria. So those are like our little energy factories in our cells. Um, and it's actually, there's, you can see pictures. If you, if you Googled enough online, you can see pictures of people that have fibromyalgia that just don't have enough or, or their mitochondria are damaged. And so if we think about energy within cells, if we don't have enough energy within our cells, how can we have enough energy to kind of run our car per se?
1: Okay. We've got a lot going on here.
2: Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, very much peeling back the layer of someone's onion, right? To kind of figure out why they are where they are. And I think if we go back to the whole Lyme disease kind of um, discussion there, if we if we are kind of closed-minded in regards to that's the only reason why, then we can't we can't help somebody if we're not looking at all the other kind of reasons why they might be struggling.
1: So where do you start?
2: <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Uh, you know, my clients are very, very complex. I You know, I not only deal with fibromyalgia, I have a lot of clients that have autoimmune conditions and gut issues and and sometimes all of the above. Um, a lot of my clients have kind of a a myriad of, of different things going on for them in regards to chronic things and autoimmune things. And so it really kind of depends on the person in regards to where do we start? Like wh- what's going to give us our best bang for our buck in regards to the heaviest hitters up front to get them at least some immediate relief because a lot of times I find when people get, by the time people get to me, you know, they've exhausted Western medicine. They're, you know, they're depressed. They've lost hope. And, you know, a lot of people say to me, this is okay. This is, you're my last kind of ditch effort here. And so up front, I really like to get people some relief of what's really bothering them the most because, one or two things. It it galvanizes their kind of belief in myself as a practitioner, but it also helps them to have hope and, and encouragement that they can heal.
3: Um and
2: so, you know, oftentimes we start in the gut because if 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 the gut's struggling, the the rest of the kind of the whole body is gonna struggle. And so um, you know, that that's usually a big place to start in figuring out, you know, is there something going on in the gut that we need to identify and and uh, go in and kill it if it's a you know a parasite or yeast or something like that. And where do we just need to repair down there? And so I think that that can be helpful for people to heal their gut because if we don't, you know, disease begins in the gut <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah, there's a quote by uh, a biologist, Mitchnikov, that I really like. It's death begins in the colon.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: if you have if you have a really bad gut health, if you have really bad gut health, you're not going to be healthy.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, if we if we kind of go back to gut health and we, we chat about um, intestinal permeability or what they call in the medical media, leaky gut, um, you know, that's the gateway by which people get autoimmune conditions. So if someone comes to me and they have fibromyalgia, but they have not yet been diagnosed with an autoimmune um, component to that, then it's kind of a ticking time bomb, right? So we need to get on top of fixing that gut before they turn around and get an autoimmune condition from that. Okay. You know, a freaked out immune system on a daily basis, uh, <laughs> yeah. whether it be food or something else, uh, is definitely the gateway to, to which people get autoimmune challenges.
1: So during my research for this, I, I found out there was really never been a drug developed to treat fibromyalgia from the ground up. Is that true?
2: Yeah. And the and the drugs that they use are, uh, they really do exacerbate the root causes. And so while they are a Band-Aid effect um, and for some people give them some kind of temporary relief, the relief usually doesn't last and they end up having to kind of switch medications and it exacerbates the root causes. So if we look at a lot of the times the medications that are prescribed are the um, SSRIs or the SNRIs, which is the antidepressants, which weren't designed really to be fibromyalgia drugs. I think the only one that is quote unquote uh, a fibromyalgia drug is Lyrica, which I call the devil.
1: <laughs> well, Lyrica, Lyrica is really was used to treat seizures and, and diabetic pain. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's basically a repurposed drug.
2: Yes, yes. So the, the SSRIs like Cymbalta and those types of things or the SNRIs, what they do is they actually um, they fake the brain into thinking that you have more serotonin than you do. So basically what they do is they recirculate the serotonin that you have. And the body's not stupid. The body catches onto this and says, well, we have all this kind of serotonin floating around up there. We don't need to make our own. And what happens over time is people's own production of serotonin um, is lessened, which exacerbates the root cause of their having not enough serotonin to begin with. I've had many clients that have um, been on Cymbalta, you know, when they got to me, right? They've been on it for a few years and it is a bear. That is one of the hardest ones to get off of. I've had one client actually, that has been trying to get off of it for a couple of years and we're just trying to work on fixing the root cause so that she can get off of it because it really, when you take away the medication and now your serotonin is depleted more than it was to begin with, it, people can really struggle.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not good.
2: Lyrica is, yeah, I call it the devil.
1: Well, I think Lyrica, Cymbalta, and then I, there's the one I, S-A-V-E-L-L-A.
2: Oh, Savella, yep.
1: Yeah, Savella.
2: Yeah, that one, Um, that one has, a lot of people sweat profusely on that. Yeah. And I'm almost like, why? Like.
1: <laughs> well, once again, the FDA strikes and, and uh, repurposes these drugs for financial gain, so. Correct. That's Correct. just, yeah. uh, you know, it's sad, but it's, the way it works and we need to figure out as functional medicine practitioners or to figure out a way to round it. And now a word from our sponsor. We'll be back in a minute.
3: We all know that eating healthy is a part of becoming a better person. But if you're finding the organic and non-toxic products too expensive or hard to find, then thrivemarket.com, the healthy online shopping club, is your solution. Like the Costco meets Whole Foods for everything healthy online, you'll get the best organic and non-GMO brands up to 50% off retail prices shipped nationally to your door for free within two to three days. When you become a member, thrivemarket.com will donate a free membership to a low-income family teacher or veteran so we can all thrive together you never have to pay full price for healthy food again go to thrivemarket.com slash the rebel health coach to get your free jar of coconut oil and 15% off your first order. This offer is valued at $18 and available for our listeners only on this special link. So here it is again, thrivemarket.com slash the rebel health coach.
1: We really had no questions from Facebook, which is okay. But the main main comment was, how do we fix it? Uh
2: Uh-huh.
1: So I'm like you, let's start with a gut, right?
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So you start with a gut. Do you go gluten-free?
2: I recommend most of um, my clients, the majority of them, I do recommend gluten and dairy-free at some point, um, just because the majority of people that have fibromyalgia have um, that leaky gut and gluten by nature of um, what it does exacerbates the leaky gut. And so... I just think it's kind of one of those things that um, we need to get rid of at least temporarily to heal. Okay. You know the the gluten we have today is not like you know back in the day. It's, it's overly processed. It's GMO. It's it's gross. No. <laughs> um, and it's not making anybody better. That's my view on it, anyway.
1: So we start with a gut. Do you start with stress relief in there too, or?
2: Yeah, um, the majority of of my clients do have some kind of component of adrenal fatigue and right and so that can be uh low cortisol or high cortisol. Oftentimes by by the time people get to me, they they tend to have low cortisol because basically, you know, when you when you're in a low cortisol state, it basically just means that at some point you were in a high cortisol state and your body just can't do it anymore. And so oftentimes people don't have enough cortisol, which can impact how much pain they have, right? So if we think about a cortisone shot, we get a cortisone shot for pain. Um, So we need enough uh, cortisol in the body in in order to have, um, you know, to not have a lot of pain. It acts as an anti-inflammatory. And so that can be helpful in regards to um, just pain and sleep and things like that. And, And so, you know, not only attacking the gut, but also attacking the reason why people can't sleep. Because if we're not You know, we could do all the things in the world, but if someone's not sleeping, then, you know, we're kind of fighting an uphill battle.
1: Okay. So you start with sleep. If you're not sleeping well, like you said, to your point, if you're not sleeping, then we can fix a lot of things, but they're still going to be deficient somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So walk us through, how do we get relief from this?
2: Well, everybody's root causes are going to vary, right? And so one of the things that I do for people um, when they come to me and they have a consult is I I spend quite a bit of time with their their intake forms and with their labs to kind of put the puzzle pieces together in regards to where they may be suffering because everybody's going to be different. Um, No person's plan looks the same. So yeah, it's definitely just figuring out what somebody's root causes are that, that are making them struggle. Okay. Um, and sometimes, and so if we, if we go back to kind of the whole diagnosis, right. And so sometimes if someone comes to me and they've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, oftentimes what I find is that people are very kind of attached to that diagnosis. And the reason for that is it probably took them 10 years to get it. Uh, (laughs) and when, you know, and, and I, and I know for myself, when I got the diagnosis, it was kind of a relief, like, okay, I'm not crazy now. And so a lot of times people are very much attached to that diagnosis. So sometimes when people come to me, I innately feel like, well, I don't know if they do have fibromyalgia, but you know, I I really think that it's all about getting them better no matter what we call it. Right. So I don't like to kind of slap a name on things, you know, let's just kind of get you better it doesn't matter what, what name it is. Right. And so um, sometimes it can be other things that are happening for people that may not be, quote unquote, through fibromyalgia. And um, the whole point of it is just to get them better. And and, and if, if they're kind of attached to that diagnosis, I don't want to, you know, it, it's not my job to take that away from them in regards to that particular diagnosis. So it's not my job to diagnose as well. It's my job to help someone
3: feel better.
1: Right. So go ahead. Tell me, how did you make yourself feel better?
2: Oh, it's been a journey, my friend. <laughs> And that's, you know, and that's one of those things. It's not just with fibromyalgia, but with any kind of uh, health dynamic. Uh, It's a journey. And we definitely have ups and downs and slip ups and uh, setbacks. And, you know, I'll have clients that are kind of uh, going along great for about a month. And then something happens and we were set back a little bit. And so there's definitely... Uh, setbacks to this whole thing. And so um, my issues were, well, I do have, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme. I treated that uh, a few years ago with with natural methods first. However, um, those apparently weren't working. And so against my better judgment, I, uh, I actually did antibiotics and I do regret that to, that, to this day because it, uh, it seriously ruined my already kind of weak gut. So if we go back to the gut, there was definitely some gut issues there most recently and again you know the the whole point behind functional medicine is that the body is all interconnected right and that there's you know we don't we don't fix things and then you know nothing ever goes wrong again right it's kind of one of those constant uh, tweaking and I have a lot of clients that that stay with me just as kind of their health insurance that they stay better right. <laughs> Because they're afraid to leave, right? Like if they leave, oh, oh God, we're going to go downhill again. And once they start feeling better, they don't want to go there. And so a lot of my clients are on kind of a maintenance type of plan where we just make sure that they're status quo and, and we're headed in the right direction and nothing's kind of going to fail them. But um most recently for myself, um, some major hormones. So in February, I turned the big four zero, and so... <laughs> Definitely some some hormone issues that were were part of my challenge. I definitely have a history of adrenal challenges. I have for many many years back. For you know when I was going to a functional doctor, there was uh, adrenal issues back then. Which you know I always wonder like if I knew now if I knew then what I know now. <laughs> right. I don't know if you've ever done this, Tom, but have I don't know if you've ever gone back and looked at any lab work that was done prior to your training. And been like, wow, had I known. (laughs) So sometimes I look at old lab work, I'm like, wow. And no one ever, even functional doctors sometimes don't point out things that we point out. And so I I always wonder, and and sometimes it makes me mad because I go back and I'm like, how that, you know, just looking at certain lab work, even regular lab work, that I can pick out things now that no one ever picked out for me that can definitely be frustrating. And that happens for people on a daily basis. Um, especially in Western medicine. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I go back to 2007 when I was 300 or 290 pounds. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And I look at that lab work every now and then just to remind myself how far I've come.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, and one of the things behind functional medicine too is, you know, we're looking at quote unquote optimal value. So, you know, I, 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 hear this all the time and this, this is, this happens all the time to people they go to their Western medicine doctor and they have some, you know, normal labs and their doctor sends them a note in the mail or they call them and they say, your labs are normal. You're fine. Meanwhile, it feels like crap. And so, <laughs> and what, what normal is is basically the evidence of the disease population. It's the, it's the statistical norm, right? And that's typically the disease population. So we don't want to be normal. We definitely want to be optimal. Right. And so the things that we do in functional medicine, as you well know, is we're looking at what's optimal within those reference ranges. And so sometimes people are, or oftentimes people are very um, surprised when we have a consult for me to, you know, go through their lab work and, and pick out things that um, no one ever flags for them. Right. Because it wasn't flagged as being uh, clinically high or clinically low.
1: Right. I, <laughs> I have to chuckle with normal because I get people asking me questions all the time saying, Oh, my doctor said I was normal. Like, yeah, well, people say I'm normal too, but I'm far from normal.
2: (laughs) Well, one of the things I always say for people too, is get a copy of your labs. I mean, you know, way back in the day when I was first kind of starting my whole journey with this, I never got copies of my labs. I wish I did, but always get copies of your labs. Even if you have no clue what you're looking at, because at some point you might kind of bump into someone like me or you that can, uh, help them kind of decipher, you know, where, where things are going for them. Um, one of the things that people tend to have with myalgia is not enough magnesium. And that is pretty, uh, uh, pretty common in the general population anyway, just based on our food supply, right? You know, it's not, uh, our food isn't what it used to be. And if it's not in the soil, it's not in our food. And so this insufficient magnesium, just kind of restoring those levels for people can be can be life changing because that can cause all kinds of pain and spasm and acid reflux and anxiety and all kinds of other issues for people and so um, insufficient magnesium can definitely be a challenge.
1: Yeah, that's in my big three: magnesium, vitamin D, and uh, an omega three.
2: Yeah, well, it's so funny. So I have uh, I have a client that came to me. Doesn't have fibromyalgia um i do suspect an autoimmune challenge for her but she came to me basically because she just wasn't feeling good for many many years and suffered from chronic headaches and you know was going back and forth to her doctor and just trying to explain to them that she just didn't feel well and you know post my consult what i typically do for people is send them kind of a list of lab work that i think would be beneficial she, I, I, amongst other things the one of the, three of the things that I had sent her for was an, uh, a red blood cell, magnesium, a, B, a B12. And all three of those levels were not just low, were clinically low. And her doctor called her up and they're like, oh my God. And it's like, how many years has she, she was going to them complaining that she felt like crap. And it just took someone to say, here, let's do this lab work. And, and they're shocked, like, oh my God. No <laughs> wonder she felt like crap. And those, you know, three huge major nutrients right there that would make you feel like crap. And not just, like I said, not just clinically, not just suboptimal, but clinically low.
1: Yeah, vitamin D is a, a, vitamin D, magnesium, and, well, B vitamin your B vitamins for methylation, but, I mean, just overall health, I mean, vitamin D, magnesium, and omega-3, and not just not just a grocery store vitamin, either of it. I mean, you have to buy quality supplements.
2: Yes, for sure. And so, you know, supplements aren't um, regulated by the FDA, which is fine by me because, uh, you know, <laughs> that creates a whole host of other, other problems. But, you know, you can't. You can't go into CVS or Walgreens or Walmart and buy your vitamins. You just can't, you know, either they're going to be not worth the extra money that you save, right? You're just going to pee the gosh darn things out, or they're going to be full of all kinds of fillers and crap that are going to make you feel worse. And so, you know, I always recommend people get quality supplements. When I recommend supplements for people, I usually recommend a specific brand, Um, give them a specific link so they don't have to think about it. They can just go and buy it. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're buying your supplements
1: from Walmart, we definitely, uh, not good. (laughs) That's another one of my pet peeves. And I mean, I, I I don't want to bash on doctors all the time, but I mean, they really go to school with a, with a big heart and wanting to help people, but it's a system that screws them. Yeah. Uh, You have to see 30 patients a day to make a living anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. So you get to spend, what, 10 minutes with a patient?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's it's challenging for sure. They don't have the time. Um, A lot of, and not so much Western medicine, I think it's coming to Western medicine. It would be nice if it came to Western medicine. Um, But a lot of functional doctors, you know, kind of run into that same problem as well in regards to just not having the time that they need. And so a lot of these um, functional doctors are actually hiring functional health coaches for that purpose just
1: to help people kind of implement their plans. Right. Mark, what's his name? Evolution of Medicine. Yeah. His his name just slipped my mind. Yeah,
2: I know mine too. But uh,
1: (laughs) he's really pushing, and I know I've spoke about this on another podcast with Tracy, that hopefully someday the system is set that you go to the physician, the physician says, Okay, here's what I see. Here's some medications that I recommend. But before you leave my office, I want you to go talk to Tom, or I want you to go talk to Heather before you leave, and she'll cover this in more detail, or he'll cover this in more detail. Uh, Mark Davis, is it Mark Davis? Yes.
2: yes. Thank you. It was going to. No, wait a minute.
1: Is he? (laughs) I think I might be getting him mixed up with the psychology of eating. Anyway, evolution of medicine.
2: And I think, you know, to my point when we first started is that, you know, when I was going to uh, a functional doctor, you know, I would leave there with a, a ton of stuff that I would need to do. And I wouldn't do any of it because I was, I had no clue what I was doing. And and then I'd go back in and, and six weeks and, and not much progress had been made because uh, I had no clue what I was doing. As an example, uh, I had gotten a few food sensitivity tests back, and you well know. You know, if you have a client that comes back with, you know, multiple food sensitivities, that's very overwhelming in regards to how do I fix that? Um, And they would just hand me a food rotation guide, which I hate those things. I tell people to throw them away. Um, And so I did nothing because I was paralyzed with fear. I had no clue what I was doing, so I uh, I just won't do anything. And so I think that the, the health coaching model combined with functional medicine is just is fabulous because it helps people implement their their plan, but it also combines the health coaching model um, in working around primary foods and lifestyle changes and things like that. And so I think the combination is just uh, is perfect.
1: Right. The big thing on the on the Facebook page thread that I started was how do I find some relief? And basically, we start with the the sleep and the gut and getting your gut healthy and getting getting better rest so i i think in my mind that if you start with fixing the gut you're going to sleep better
2: yeah yeah for sure you know i i do send people for for regular lab work through their um, primary care which most times um they are cooperative and they will run uh, what we'd like them to run um but there are other testing that i do for people that are that's um, definitely not western medicine and that includes you know, dried urine hormone testing and comprehensive stool tests and things like that. And I do um, stock those in my office here. And so people can have those more progressive tests done that they can't get through their um, Western medicine practitioner. And it's nice because people can kind of feel empowered to take control of their own health that way.
1: Yeah, because that stool test you get from the doctor for your annual physical is not a comprehensive stool test.
2: No, they're looking for specific things. They're looking for, you know specific parasites and they're not kind of, you know, the comprehensive stool test is giving us more information around your kind of unique microbiome because everybody's different. Um, but also, you know, digestive enzyme output and all kinds of other um, fun stuff. And so it's really kind of a, an imprint of what your gut looks like, which is kind of neat because everybody's is totally different. But, yeah, you're definitely not getting that. I mean, they're looking for, you know, unique parasites, you know, C. diff and Giardia and things like that, which isn't very common.
1: And the hormone test, what do you use, a Dutch test?
2: I actually use um, Meridian Valley Labs has a form of a Dutch test, which I like the pretty graphs on the Dutch test. But the um, the one for Meridian is, is more cost effective, I find, for my clients. And so it gives us the same information just not, um, you know, the the pretty format that the Dutch does. And so that one um, I use for Meridian, I think it runs around 225 for the the whole kind of shebang. And so I I do, you know, one of the things I am conscious about with my clients is budget, because I know that this can be um, a not cheap process in regards to testing and, um, you know, my costs and things like that. So in supplements and, and buying high quality supplements. So I am definitely cognizant of a budget for people, but at the same time, you know, I always like to ask people that have been kind of going around and around and around in the Western medicine uh, kind of cycle. If you don't change that, then what's going to change in your health?
1: And and so, I mean, you know, and let's face it, you know, I have this conversation with people a lot is that it's really easy to go to the grocery store, even if you're just trying to be healthy. Yeah. It's really easy to go to the grocery store and pick up easy stuff. But it's it's not as easy to say, okay, I'm going to sit here and plan my week out for meals. But I I really like to say, look, you sit down and you plan your budget. Why don't you do the same for yourself?
2: Yes, correct. You know, food is a huge part of it for sure in regards to, you know, we can't get better if we're eating uh, chemically laden crap for sure. So, um, yeah, it, you know, and, and I'm no different in regards to testing. You know, I have to pay for my own testing. It's not like because I'm a practitioner, I don't pay anything. Right. You know, I invest in, in my health as well. And 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 I think it's just, you know, sometimes people have to make the priority. I have many, many clients that, um, you know, are either on disability because they've gotten to the point where they can't work anymore, right? I have a lot of clients that are on Medicare. And, and so, you know, those people stretch um, to, to be able to afford me. But at the same time, you know, they feel a heck of a lot better for it and maybe they can get back to work. And so sometimes it's a, it's a trade-off in regards to, um, you know, what we need to prioritize in, in order to get well, because obviously what they've been doing isn't been working if they've gotten to me.
1: So where does self-care fit in this fibromyalgia fix?
2: Oh, it's huge. And I can be the biggest offender of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like do as they say, not as I do. Um, but it's huge because we we definitely need to manage um, stress in our lives in order to feel our best, you know. And we definitely need to take time for ourselves in regards to uh, baths. So one of the things that I usually recommend for my for my clients is you know a nice Epsom salt bath because it gives you some nice magnesium and time for yourself. And we we definitely need to take that in, in in regards to feeling better. And and sometimes that can mean just taking a walk by yourself in nature. Uh, a lot of my clients I find are um, they've been doing so much for other people, you know, a large portion of their life that they're kind of taking time for them is is a huge uh, step for them. And so sometimes we need to start small in regards to what can we do um, to make some lifestyle changes so that you're a priority.
1: Exercise. Does exercise fit in there?
2: Yeah, I think so. So a lot of my clients are very, uh, especially if they have fibromyalgia, I think they're very afraid of exercise. Um, there's actually been studies that um, exercise help people with fibromyalgia and people that have fibromyalgia are like, yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, th- but there have been studies and the mechanism by which exercise helps. And that doesn't mean people need to go out and start, you know, running a marathon or doing insanity or something like that. You know, sometimes people that aren't doing anything right now can benefit by, you know, let's walk to the mailbox today. And okay, that felt okay. Let's do that for a few days. And then let's go a little bit further. And so, um, those people can benefit from walking or yoga and, and things like that. It doesn't mean you have to go, you know, running around the block.
1: Okay. right, <laughs> Good. All right. So I appreciate you taking the time today.
2: Of course.
1: Where can listeners find you?
2: Okay, well, um, my website is fitwithfibro.com. There is a contact me button there if they wanted to um, contact me that way. Um, I do have a Facebook page that's um, separate from my my regular uh, personal page and that's um, the page is just fit with fibro. And so um, there every day I I post uh, usually about six to eight times a day information for people, whether it be, you know, positive thoughts or studies or stuff like that and so sometimes people can just get some benefit from there if they're not ready to work from uh, with me yet and then my email is client care at fitwithfibro.com so any one of those methods would be fine I wanted to reach out
1: yeah those will be in the show notes too so perfect all right the last thing <laughs> if you had a couple hours to kill or chill kill or chill or kill and chill, uh what album or artists would you listen to?
2: Uh I am a huge fan of country. I know not everybody loves country and I actually I hadn't gotten into country until a few years ago. Um so I do love country. Um and then on the opposite end of the spectrum I love Lenny Kravitz. So I know they're two totally different uh <laughs> genres. Um but those are the two in, in my car I'm usually I usually have the country station on. Um, but I do like to listen to a mix if I'm out running. So, uh, Lenny Kravitz is nice to run too, as well.
1: What's your favorite country band?
2: Uh, I really love Keith Urban. He's, uh, he's not only fantastic, but he is hot. So <laughs> that does hurt.
1: <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Heather.
2: Sure. I love to chat with people about their personal stories. And I think, um, you know, because I come from a place of, of being chronically ill myself, um, you know, I can appreciate what people have gone through, and so um, you know, I've made a lot of friends over the years that um, you know have fibromyalgia, and, and a lot of colleagues as well. And so I always love to meet new people and hear their stories.
1: Yeah, it's it's a interesting, it's interesting world that we're in. One thing I I enjoy about my aspect of it is is I and I think that the majority of us in this health coach uh, realm have a story uh you have a story i have a i think well i think all of us well most people have story anyway but i'm talking about a story about our health
3: yes
1: not something about going to jail and
3: <laughs>
1: drinking <laughs> bourbon bur- drinking sense. bourbon and getting in any trouble
2: <laughs> no i think a lot of our personal stories have led us to seek out um things like this and so um that can definitely be helpful
1: well i, I you know as with you, my passion is to help people. I mean, I lived it. I want to help people. So and you've lived it and you want to help people. And I think that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, there's not a lot of um, even to, to Tracy Harrison's point back when I was um last year when I was at the um health coaching retreat, there's not there's not a lot of people that are helping people with specifically with fibromyalgia. You know, it's a very under, misunderstood um, dynamic, and so there's a ton of ton of people out there that are suffering. Uh, needless.
1: Well, thank you very much. Enjoy your holiday weekend.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you having
0: me. You're so welcome.